Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. We just read in the first half of chapter 3, uh, we read about how God fed Ezekiel a scroll, a scroll which had on it um, the uh, prophecies of destruction that the people in Israel were going to go through. God told him that I want to, you need to speak to the people, I want to send you to the people, you need to speak to them, even if they don't listen. Maybe some will listen, maybe some won't, but you need to be strong, you need to speak to them. No matter how stubborn they are, you will be even more stubborn. I will give you the strength to be more stubborn and to teach them how, uh, what God expects of them, what the proper behavior is. God then told him to only say that which he tells him to say. He, Yechezkel uh, leaves the fantastic vision of the angels and the chariot behind him. He hears the sound of it behind him as God carries him to the people where the people are living on the banks of the Kavar River or the, uh, and um, in a place called Tel Aviv. Now, uh, he's, when he gets there, he gets to the place, he sits for seven days and waits for the word of God. He had specific instructions only to speak what God tells him to speak. Aside from which, without God, he didn't have the strength to speak. He was too um, weak to do so on his own. Uh, so, this is verse 16. And it was at the end of seven days. And the word of God to me was as follows. <clears throat> this, by the way, I'm reading is 3b. This is the second half of chapter 3 of Yechazkel of Ezekiel. Ben Adam. Human being. That's the way I choose to uh, translate it. I've seen translated mortal. I've seen other translations. I'm going to be translating it. Human being. I am making you a watchman. <coughs> I'm appointing you as a watchman. God here defines the role of Yechezkel. Different prophets, of course, have different roles. Of course, all of them have the, the overarching role of bringing God's message to the people. But they each have kind of a different, a different, a little bit of a different role, a different um, uh, purpose. The Yechezkel's role is to be a tzofa, to be a watchman. And a watchman gives the image of the, a person standing, let's say, in a, a lookout post, that he's able to warn the people that the enemy is coming. The watchman has no power or strength really to... Um, stop the army. He's not a, an advance guard to try to keep the, the, the enemy away. He's just someone who's there to warn the people so that the people can then choose to run or to fight or to ignore his message. So this Tzofa here is, is, is a watchman. This is the role Yechezkel is going to play and we'll understand how this works as we go through this entire book. God says, you will hear from me a word. In other words, I will tell you such and such is coming. And then you will warn the people of that which I, God, wants to now do to or for the people. So it's your job to inform them of what I'm about to do so that they can decide, <clears throat> are they going to act to avert the evil? Are they going to change their ways? Are they going to ignore the message? And so on. Be <clears throat> When I say, now some translate this Lamed here as to a wicked man. I think that's incorrect. Over here, be Amri When I say regarding an evil man, in other words, I will give you a message. 
there is an evil man that most tomos, I am going to <clears throat> kill him, I am going to punish him. But it's going to be your job to warn him that death is coming, punishment is coming, below his arto. And if you don't carry that message to him and warn him, below the Bartolas here, Russia, and you do not speak yourself because you are the watchman, you are supposed to carry that message, and you do not warn him that death is coming, and that that he should midarko harish that he should change his ways from his evil ways, so in order that he may save himself, then hu yamos, I will still punish him and bring death upon him because he is evil. However, vidamom avakesh, I will, I will, um, I will consider you responsible for his blood. I will search. Literally, it means I will search his blood from your hands. Meaning, you will be guilty because you have not brought him <coughs> the message. Um, this is very interesting because God before talked about you're going to bring the message to the people, the people who are stubborn, the people who are brazen. But here he, he, God focuses very much on individuals. And we saw this message earlier and we're going to see this continuously. That Yechezkel is here to bring the message. That even if you are in a people that are doomed, so to speak, as a nation, or you are among people from whom you learn and among whom is practiced bad ways and evil ways, that still does not absolve each and every individual of personal responsibility for what he or she decides to do. This is the key message of the book of Yechezkel, or at least one of the key messages. And that is what God is telling him here. You, Yechezkel, have to tell them that I am going to punish evil people, and they should change their ways. Viata how and you, ki his rasha. If you then go ahead and you do warn, the evil man, and then he decides, you know, I'm going to ignore the message, and he will not change his ways from his evil ways, from his bad path, then he will also die, just like the one before, who was not warned, he will die for his sins, however, you will have saved yourself. <coughs> so here we have the individual of the prophet himself, having his individual responsibility, and having dispatched his individual responsibility, he is therefore saved himself. However, the person whom he was warning chose to ignore the warning and therefore was punished. Verse 20, And then, if there is a righteous man who was righteous and going along his way doing good things, but then he decides to go ahead and do the wrong thing and do evil, Maybe because he is influenced by his surroundings <coughs> and the surroundings of the people of Israel was, as we said before, brazen and stubborn and unfortunately evil. And I have put, this is in, um, uh, this could, this translated and if I put or when I put, I'm translating it in the past test tense that it's not a vav hamahapech for those that are grammatically inclined. This is just a regular vav, a regular and, vinosati, and I have placed a stumbling block before him. By what? By living in, in, in this kind of corrupt environment, hu yamus, then he himself will die. Kilo hisarto, for if you have not warned him, bechato so yamus, he will die based upon his sin. Velo tizochar notzid kotav asher asa. The fact that he has done 
um, uh, the righteous deeds that he have done has done in the past will not remember, will not be remembered. I will search his blood out from your hands as well if you have not warned him. You have to bring him the message that he is responsible for everything that he does and you cannot rely upon your deeds of the past. You cannot just assume. Now, bringing a message to people who think they're righteous is even more difficult than the, those that, that, that know they're evil. The person who thinks, well, look what I've done all my life, I've done all these good things, is very hard to rebuke that person. That person generally thinks that whatever he does is good. This is the arrogance of a person who refuses to listen, who refuses to learn. But if you warn that person, the person who was righteous, who did live a righteous life, but you warned him not to follow the bad path that was surrounding him, and you warned him not to sin, and he was a tzaddik, he was a righteous person who had not sinned before, then then he is a person. This is verse 21. Um, I'm sorry, I, I, I have to uh, go read this Pasuk again. I got the, 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 the last verse was talking about one who is righteous, who does not listen, gets influenced, and does evil. And if you have not warned him, I will keep you responsible. In 21, this is talking about something else. and you If you do warn the righteous man, not to sin, tzadik, and he is a tzadik, and then he does not sin. In other words, if you are successful, and he therefore chooses not to sin, he will then live because he was warned. And then you would have saved your soul. This is the key here. The differentiation between a person who is truly a tzaddik, who is truly righteous, is the one who actually listens to the warning. This, this pasuk, I believe, proves the com- that my point that I've made in several previous podcasts to be correct. Because many of the commentators assume that in Yechezkel, and this is found in many of the scholarly works that that God was telling Yechezkel that people will not listen, they're doomed, it's over, they will not listen. But we see here that that's not true. That people do listen and will listen and they do have the chance to listen and some will save themselves. Some will be righteous. The difference being who is too arrogant to listen to Yechezkel, who is going to say he doesn't know what he's talking about and I'm going to go along my merry way and who is going to heed his warning. So we mentioned here three different types of people. We mentioned the evil person who does not change his way, the person who was living a righteous life but was too arrogant to listen to instructions and refused to listen to the prophet and then went into an evil path, both of whom end up dying. And the third one is the tzaddik who listens to the advice, takes the advice of the the, um, prophet and then saves himself. The... um, there is no example of a person who started off as a Russia, as a wicked person, who then listens. And many of the commentaries try to explain what about that fourth possibility, a person who is a Russia, who is evil, and then does teshuva and then repents. I personally believe that there is no such thing. What do I mean there's no such thing? Of course there are people that have done bad that then repent. 
However, a person who is humble, who has a, goes on a bad path, and is humble and then listens, is not a rasha, is not by definition an evil person. He is by definition a tzaddik, as we know that a person that does teshuva, that repents, his previous sinful ways are considered righteous. Are now, he has now converted his life into a pure and holy life. There is no such category as an evil person who repents and now becomes a tzaddik, because such a person that has done that was never is not now an evil person, is not now a person with an evil history. Um, that person was humble enough to listen to the instructions, which is why, of the prophet, which is why there's only three categories and not four. Let's go on to verse 22. And over there, when I was in the place where the people were living in Tel Aviv, on the shores of, of the Kivar River, the hand of God was upon me. Whenever, so far, whenever we've seen this phrase, the hand of God is upon me, it means Yechezkel, the Navi, was resistant or did not have the strength on his own, and God pushed him. God gave him the strength. He pushed him into it. By Yom and he said to me, once he was with the people and he felt the obstinacy, he felt the, the stubbornness of the people, God said, Come with me, let's go out into the fields, let's go to the place in nature where there are no people around. Here it's difficult for you, I can see that. <coughs> Here you're not getting the message, let me talk to you there. Here you're not getting the message only because the people are not listening. Let me take you there so at least you can absorb what I'm trying to tell you. So I got up, I went out into the, the bika literally means a valley. And there, again, I was shown a vision of God, a visual image. Remember last time he was shown a visual image, he couldn't see anything. Immediately upon seeing the visual image, he fell on his face, he could not see it because a human being, a Ben Adam, cannot see God. I saw like the same thing, like the same thing that I saw, the same incredible, honorable thing that I saw on the Har Kavar before when I had that fantastic vision on the river Kavar, and immediately had the same reaction. Again, I could not see more. I could not actually see it, just like before. And I fell upon my face. So once again, God switches from a visual image to a auditory image. A spirit came into me, which gave me strength, and stood me up so that I can listen to God's message. And he spoke to me. Words, words that I could hear by Yomer Eli, and he said to me as follows. So again, I'm not seeing anything, but I'm hearing things. Listen, the people aren't listening to you, so go ahead and lock yourself up in your house so you don't have to talk to people anymore. They're not listening to you. And you, human being, it is like there have been cords, there have been cords or ropes or chains placed upon you, and now I'm tying you up with them. It seems like these, these ropes have been placed upon him by another source, like as if the people had placed ropes upon him that don't allow him to convey his message, and then God says, I'm going to tie those into knots, and you will not be able to go out among the people because they're not listening to you. And I will stick your tongue to your uh, palate. And you will become dumb. You will be unable to speak. And you will no longer be a person who can rebuke because they are a rebellious house. Now, 
it sounds like here God is saying to Yechezkel no longer to speak to the people. And there are many different explanations among the Mepharshim about what this means. How could this be? Is this true that all of the messages that Yechezkel has to convey to the people, he will not speak anymore? <coughs> I think I, I will have to mention here approximately five or six different explanations. And I will say then the way I believe is the really what I think is the uh, nicest explanation, the one that I think fits the best in the words. Um, you know, if, if I'm able to say such a thing, I know uh, of the commentaries, they have, you know, uh, each one has its things that are beautiful about it, each one has its nice things, but I'm still going to have to go with what I think makes the most sense. One is, is that this silence is just a symbolic silence. It doesn't, it's not really a silence. It's a symbolic silence. Another is to explain that from here on in, Yechezkel didn't share words with the people anymore until later on when God tells him he can start speaking again, which we'll get to. But <clears throat> rather, he's only able to speak in metaphors. He's doing actions which convey messages, but not actually speaking. Another understanding is, is that he can't speak to the people anymore, but to the elders who come visit him, which we'll come across later. He can speak to their messengers. He can speak to the leaders <coughs> in private in his house, but he's not going to be out in public speaking as a public speaker like the images that we had of Jeremiah and Isaiah and so on. Another way of understanding is that maybe he was only able to speak in writing. Um, these are explanations. Now, there is a uh, explanation of Rabbi Eliezer of Bujensi, who was one of the Balei Tosvot, who, who was an early commentary. And I think his explanation really um, fits the best uh, and goes along at least with the, with the explanation that I'm choosing to use and I have been choosing to use until now. And that is, is that... Of course, Yechezkel was able to and did and was meant to continue speaking to the people. Um, however, what he's not supposed to do is, let's look at, read again that verse 26, You will no longer be a man who gives, gives um, rebuke. In other words, as a man, Yechezkel on his own would have had the obligation to tell his people how to behave and how to act, regardless of whether or not he was a prophet, regardless of whether or not God gave him a message. This, God says, you no longer should do because it will be unsuccessful. If one knows with 100% certainty that what he says will not be listened, then the ob to, then the oblig or at least even more so, if one tries to be mochiach and tries and tries and is unsuccessful as Yechezkel has been, then he no longer has an obligation to re relay that message. So God is saying you will no longer be uh, a man giving rebuke because, again, Vyatov and Adam, going back to 25, the you are not going to be the one that's going out. However, let's look at verse 27, but when I speak to you, then I will open your mouth. And then you will speak to them. So says the Lord your God. That's the point here. The point here is that you, should, you will not be a man saying rebuke, but you will be a conduit. You will be a messenger speaking the word of God. When I put words in your mouth, then you will speak. So there was no actual period of silence. Many of the Mepharshim do understand that there was a period of time when Yechezkel wasn't conveying his message. That's not true. What actually, or at least according to this explanation, that's not necessarily the case. That's not true. Really, he did convey the message, but only the messages that God put 
put in his mouth. And then, he who is willing to listen will hear. Remember that person, the tzaddik, who did have the humility to listen. And unfortunately, he who refuses to listen, he who decides to stay away from the message and not listen, then he will have made that own choice to ignore the lesson. Keep base Mary Hema because they are a rebellious bunch and many of them will ignore the lesson that I'm trying to teach. Thank you so much for studying chapter three together with me. Looking forward to studying chapter four and of course the entire book of Yechazkel.